This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Rogers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And today we have an exceptionally special guest, she is probably our favorite person that we've had on the show. Don't tell anybody else who's been on the show. Uh, she is a Packers reporter, writer, whatever you want to call her, for NBC26. She does it all. She's a, she's a queen of trades. It is Rachel Hotmeyer. Rachel, thank you for joining us on Pax What She Said. Thank you for inviting me back to my favorite podcast to be on. Don't tell <laughs> any other podcasts I've been on that this is absolutely the queen of them all. Oh my God, thank you so much. No, we love having you. You're the best. Um, We just want to, you know, unfortunately, I think we have to recap the game. Uh, We're only a few days removed, but it's still, you know, recent. It's, 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 we got to talk about it. Yep. You guys are still reeling in pain and there's still things to be spoken about this absolutely baffling loss. Yes. And there's a few, um, aftermath decisions that were being made today. So we can touch on those. And then on a bit of a lighter end, uh, I think Maggie and I would just love for you to tell us about what it was like to cover the team for your first year and your first season. It was a crazy season for you to start with a new team and what you're looking forward to next year. Of course. Yeah. I mean, it's, Listen, from being a football fan to being a football reporter to being a football player, everything about the sport this year is different because of COVID. And uh, I don't think anybody's unaffected by that. I mean, even in, you know, post-game talks, we saw people are saying, oh, what are they going to remember most? And you have players saying, I'm going to remember the masks and the COVID tests and playing through it together. So it's definitely been a a life-changing experience, I would think, for everybody. Um, for me personally, you know, I came into green Bay and my job is to cover news and sports. So I was more removed from Lambo than I planned, but honestly, I didn't feel that that much because in an aspect, we're all removed, you know, nobody was in the locker room this year, myself included, you know, even locker room clean out the concept of that this week was extremely different because we're all just relegated to the same zooms. Um, it's definitely hard, you know, to make those connections virtually, but that's just part of the job. Everybody this year has had to take their job virtually and reporting is no exception. Yep. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to you starting next year, hopefully being, you know, more quote unquote normal year. And now you have this like kind of comparison, like, okay, wow. And then maybe in a couple of years, you're going to think back and think, wow, I can't believe my first year was 2020. Like that was so odd because it's so different, you know, when you can go into the locker room, you can 
to cover a game at Lambeau. You still haven't even gone to a full game at the stadium. I have not seen Lambeau, you know, being Lambeau at its fullest extent. And I applaud all the fans that were lucky enough to get to go this year, whether they paid for tickets or whether they were healthcare workers that were gifted as guests. But honestly, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see Lambeau for what everybody worships it as. Yeah. I mean, my, my NFL locker room experience really rests in DC and Baltimore. Um, and I am so thankful for that time here, but you know, if Lambeau is the Holy Mecca that it's out to be, I, I think we have a lot more to show, you know, a new kid in town than just the posters banging on the bleachers, even though I will admit, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. I like that touch. It's going to be that times like 10 times. Exactly. 10. Yeah. I'm hoping I can imagine it, but you know, real reality would be a little sweeter. Yeah. I mean, we'll have you at the opener. We'll have Perry up for the opener. I'll be at the opener and we'll just, we'll do like a live quick 10 minute podcast for the, the Twitter and the gram. percent. Yes. Let's That's put fun. it in the calendar. <laughs> um, okay. So you watch the game like Maggie and I did on the couch, Um, (laughs) uh, a handful, I guess, got to be in the press box, but not us. Um, So yeah, you mentioned it earlier, heartbreaking. Uh, I think, you know, you interviewed Maggie and I for a piece you did on the news the other night, and we got to sort of give you the rundown of how we were feeling as fans, but just more from like a reporter analytical objective perspective, like what were your biggest takeaways from this game um, besides the fact that the Packers completely melted down. Absolutely. And I think, you know, a, a meltdown isn't just necessarily out of nowhere, even though I can say this is shocking and surprising. I think the backbone or lack thereof of what we saw fall apart was the play calling in everything I've watched, you know, from LaFleur as he's built this team over the last two years and watching his work and film prior and how he runs things. I think this was an anomaly and it's sad to see that it happened in the biggest moment, but the play calling for me truly drove a lot of the consequence of Sunday's loss. Um, And then there were just other aspects where I give players credit for saying, you know, it, it hasn't been on just one side of the ball. There were mistakes everywhere. You know, you could say Rogers overthrew or missed through some of these things. You could say drops shouldn't have happened. You can say, You know, the O-line was clearly not there as much as they've prided themselves on flexibility and strength, especially these past few weeks, making Mm -hmm. up for Bakhtiari's loss in a lot of cases, except for Sunday. I mean, it's just like it was 20 steps forward, 40 steps back. Yeah. So it's interesting that you mentioned the play calling because I think everyone's talking about that field goal versus going for it on fourth down as the most like glaringly obvious. And to me, that was surprising mainly just because I'm so used to watching Matt LaFleur be kind of aggressive in those situations. And you would, would think that he'd be more aggressive when the stakes are as high as they were. But were there any others throughout the game that you noticed where you were like, ah, oh, it feels abnormal? There were um, a couple route instances that I personally wouldn't have gone with um I'll stand by the fact that as much as I you know will admit I support AJ Dillon because he went to college down the street from me um the kid was hot he was trying to make his iron as hot as possible and there's no reason you shouldn't have gone with him more um when you see him come in and bulldoze through like he can why'd you only let that happen two three times you know you use yeah. the tool as much as you can you have to treat the postseason as we know like it could be your final game And as much as we would have loved to see that three back rotation working as smoothly as it did against the Rams. Okay. You're down to your two. 
go all out with those two because guess what? If you get there, you get two weeks until the Super Bowl. That's plenty of rest. Dylan was even in between quad injuries, and he still rested and came in for it. So uh, unless there was more of an injury thing holding him back, you can't be at the end of January and holding back. No, I I know, and I, I'm sure Maggie has, has thought. Uh, the run game to me is something that this team has been predicated on all year, and it's opened up so much for the rest of mm-hmm. the offense. And when your O-line is being just hammered by this pass rush, like you would think that you'd want to just pass, continue to pass the ball, especially like you said, to a guy like AJ Dillon, who's getting, you think it's three yards, and then he turns it into seven. Um, and I think unfortunately throughout the season, that's something that I have also noticed where AJ Dillon does some great things, but he only, except for the Titans game gets like three carries and you're kind of sitting there wondering like, why was he taken out? Exactly. You know? And I mean, if that Jones injury didn't happen, I think the conversation would be different, but ultimately you want to define yourself by a growing run game. Now's your chance. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think part of it too, is if you look at like, we had talked about kind of before the show, uh, last week, one of the keys to success was running it up the middle because you know that that outside edge rush is so dominant. We didn't see the outside zone working in week six. So, you know, we had said, especially when you have Jamal Williams and AJ Dillon and some of those bigger bruiser kind of guys, you attack the middle of the field, even with Vita Vea kind of returning. And for them to not do that, especially after the turnovers, when they passed six times in a row, it was just, it just felt really baffling. And I absolutely agree with what you were saying about how it didn't feel like the LeFleur game plan that we had seen for like pretty much the entire season to that point. Right. And that's the thing like that. Yes. Vita Vea is a very valid threat. I don't deny that, but you've built your middle routes enough. You have built that strength to be able to hammer at home. And if you didn't even at least try that more than twice, I think that's a glaring mistake. Yeah. It's, it was hard to watch too. Like Devonta Adams could barely get involved. And, you know, you can say, you know, should he have made that touchdown? Should he have not made that touchdown? But you kind of expect someone like him to step up a little bit more. And not that I wanted Rogers to force the ball to him, but like, also maybe try to force the ball to him because yeah. <laughs> Monte Adams will likely make those catches if you put it in a, in the right spot, which is something Rodgers can do. So yeah, it was just a, it was just a breakdown of what we've typically been seeing and talk about breakdown. (laughs) Uh, This defense uh, completely broke down on a number of obviously glaring occasions, but you know, that horrible third down conversion percentage just really reared its ugly head and, you just watch the Bucks like very easily just move the ball down the field. Yeah, that was uh, the definition of the "this is fine" burning dog meme. <laughs> was and, and I, you know, I feel really bad because I think there's a, a lot of pride that side of the ball in the gold locker room, and they earned it, you know. But uh, it wasn't clicking on Sunday. It really freaking wasn't. On top of the the opposite rub off shame that is the fact that the Bucks just nailed everything. Yeah, I think that was a big part of it is like knowing and Perry and I talked about this a little bit post game was, you know, it felt better, I guess, than being blown out like we've seen from this Packers team in recent years. But it really just felt like there were so many things where you said, like, look, here's a list of 10 things. And if you fix one of those things, you're probably going to the Super Bowl. And third down defense was absolutely one of those things. And the Will Redmond interception that could have negated points. And there were just so many like tiny opportunities that if one of those things bounces the Packers way. And that's, I think, what made it so unfortunate is like we've seen them in close games like the Jaguars. Obviously, that was not a good game for the Packers. And they had some of their 
misfortunes happened and some of those anomalies, but in the playoffs against now a Super Bowl team, you know, those anomalies just won't work for you. And that that's what made it, I think, hurt even more. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up that interception because, you know, when I'm looking at things, I do try to base a lot of my game analysis in the combination of stats and film. And I always hate when people will rag on players for saying, well, they, they swatted this away. They could have intercepted it and caught it, or they could have moved it for yards, but just look how many interceptions we did manage to hold on to in this game. And the Packers still couldn't enumerate any negatable leads in this, you know, your players handed you the ball. They grabbed it and handed it to you and Aaron Rodgers and company could not make anything profitable out of that. And that's why I don't like the Will Redmond criticism because, sure, yes, that turned into, unfortunately, a touchdown with six seconds left in the first half. That's not on Will Redmond. Like, we, the Packers still had, like you said, three turnovers and the offense couldn't turn that into points. Imagine if they turned both Jair um, interceptions into anything, even if it's six, but max 14, they would have won this game. So I think it's tough to look, you can look back in hindsight and say, oh, you know, if Will Redmond had done this, maybe this wouldn't have happened. But, and yes, it was an easy pick. It was right through his fingertips, but those things happen. And I I don't want to rest this entire win or loss just on like a certain play like that, because you had three more options. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's just it's disappointing because it definitely feels like the Packers were, I guess, in past tense now, the better team. Um, Tom Brady still didn't have a great game. Of course, the Bucks defense mm-hmm. came to play, and that's ultimately what led them to this win. But, you know, the Packers were the best offense in the league. They were the number one seed for a reason, and they just uh, couldn't get this one game done. And that's what football is. There's no best out of seven like there is in baseball or hockey. There's none of that. It's you win or you go home. And so now they are home. And like on that note, you know, when, when you look at the box, Tom Brady didn't have the best game. Tom Brady didn't even really have that great of a game. You know, I've had the childhood honor of watching Tom Brady for almost my whole life. Tom Brady threw, yes, three touchdowns, three interceptions, his rating was still 73.9. Like that, that's not great. Rogers actually threw over a hundred for a passer rating. Like look at what we're doing. Rogers was on the money as much as he could have been, but there were so many elements that didn't matter. It didn't make any of that forward progress matter. Oh, this is such a tough pill to swallow. Um, especially because, you know, Rogers is 37. And so I think you look at this season, like this was the shot. I I know that there the three of us offline have kind of commented our personal opinions on some of the things that have come out since this game and we don't really necessarily need to rehash that but I think there is something to the conversation about like Rodgers is 37 and you know these these opportunities these home field NFC championship games like they don't come very often they haven't happened for the Packers since 2007 so Yes, you can say, you know, the window is still open there. We'll see what they do this off season, but it's, um, it's just a tougher pill to swallow looking at where Rogers is in his career, even though he will be back with the Packers in 2021. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that's part of it too, is just, you know, we talk about like, it hasn't happened since 2007. This is the first time in his entire career as a starter that he got one in green Bay. And I know that that's, you know, what makes it, 
extra difficult for this team is because he finally had one. And there's that element of feeling like it kind of slipped through his fingers. And we've seen the cutups of him talking to Jordy and saying, we got to get one at home and look how different the team looks year to year. And, and I think there's a lot of that in the post game where you have players like Corey Lindsley who have been to four and Kenny Clark said, you know, we got to kick the door in and for them to not be able to kick the door in, it makes you wonder like, you know, what do they still need to do when we've seen them go all in on free agents like Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and Adrian Amos, and they are having their young players like Rashawn Gary and Darnell Savage. There's a development there. So it's, you're, you're kind of trying to find the missing piece of the puzzle and ask what it is because it really felt like everything kind of aligned this year for this team and then they still couldn't do it. So you know, what's going wrong. Yeah. And I think, you know, as much as we've talked about everything in Packers world, that's gone down for the past uh, 48 to 60 hours. Um, I, you know, that, that manifests into emotion and realizing that, you know, front office, everybody went in to try and make this team the best it could. And here we were unable, like you said, to kick the door down. Rogers knows that. The players that are now free agents know that. And that does change futures. That does change what could happen for the rest of people's contracts here. That does change everything. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, on the Pat McAfee show, we saw that kind of emotion from Aaron Rodgers saying, like, we were all crying 15 minutes ago, and then you have to come in and answer questions about the future when you're still trying to process the finality of, you know, it's like what we saw in week 17 in, 2017, 2018, when there weren't playoff pushes where it's like, well, this is it, you know, until the final whistle blows, you're like, Oh, we're going to the Super Bowl. Like, this is great. We're going to bounce back. And then the second it doesn't happen and there's other teams celebrating on your, your home field, there's the realization that like, Oh, like it actually got away. And I think, you know, Perry's shaking your head and I like, it's hard to talk about because it just feels like we're having trouble processing it as fans and people that, you know, watch the sport, really closely like imagining them trying to process that I think is especially difficult totally and I I think you know as as much as we talk about emotions there has to be something said for the allowance of emotional vulnerability and honesty when it comes to media availabilities that are scheduled after a game no matter what the result is when it comes to athletes no matter what your gender is of sharing those raw reactions you know, and not having to let it predefine their off season, because at the end of the day, that's the reality for them that they just went through is crying with their teammates, playing their heart out and really thinking there was a chance, even when the clock statistically wound down too far for there to be and not having people who aren't in their shoes, write that. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think as a leader too, certain players have an obligation to like show up and be the face Mm -hmm. of what, the entire locker room and honestly the entire fan base is feeling at a certain level. And I felt like Aaron Rodgers really did that. Mm -hmm. You know, he was, it was relatable. Like I was sitting on my rug in my apartment and my living room, like crying with him because it was hard. Like I can't, I wasn't out there playing and I still felt that with them. And you know, like he said, there's going to be players that leave because that's just this business. And the team as it is, is never going to be the same, whether there's guys that end up retiring or like we just saw Sean Meninga is not coming back. Like this team, this 2020 team isn't going to exist in the way that it did all season. And again, he has to process all this in 15 minutes 
when the season ends after a devastating loss before going in and speaking on it. And honestly, like the fact that he could even be that articulate (laughs) and coherent about the way that he's feeling to me is impressive because I was like mute for like four hours. (laughs) And I think the point to remember here is for fans, for, for anybody who wants to take this into consideration, for anybody who feels like they want to even have an opinion on how players and leaders conduct themselves after a game like that, is you could have a quarterback leader like Aaron Rodgers who shows up, does his obligation, and maybe to some is rawer than he has been in years past. Or you could have a quarterback like Dwayne Haskins who whipped out on media availability and had to be tracked down by his team and PR staff. And that's the two differences. And maybe that comes with veteran sage experience. And, you know, Haxons is a young kid coming up in the league. And maybe their lives are a bit different. But at the end of the day, those are two different quarterback styles. And you could have one or the other. Yeah, Absolutely. I will, I will take the former, honestly. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, we uh, – we can kind of put this chapter, I guess, to, to rest, you know, it, it happened. There's not much more that to be said. Um, it's unfortunate. And I think you already see some people starting to kind of look towards the future because that's all you can do in this league. It's now the off season. People are looking towards the draft. What can the Packers do to add? I honestly personally love that sort of more positive forward looking outlook. Um, so we have like 93 days till the draft, 92, exactly. 93. <laughs> yeah. Three months uh, to get excited about players who probably won't be drafted by your team, but it's fine. Um, so with that and your first, I guess, real off season in green Bay, what are you looking forward to? Um, what are you going to do this off season? I know that COVID obviously still exists. So there's some changes um, that won't be made for a couple months until hopefully people get vaccinated. But how are you feeling post year one? And what are you going to do this off season? Oh, what am I going to do this off season? Um, you know, I don't know if anybody who follows the Packers knows this, but like breweries are kind of a thing around here. <laughs> And I just think it might be time for me to explore some, just a little, but I'm pretty big into COVID safety. And I try to weave that into a lot of my, you know, more human interest side of football is how are rookies and people settling into the Green Bay area, stuff like that this year, where, I mean, think about the rookies that had a different year than anybody. And most of them have jetted out of here at this point, but are just kind of going back to their normal lives as much as it could be. Um, I'm looking forward to connecting with Packers fans. That's honestly some of the most fun part of my job. I try to take that with me wherever I go, because honestly, like covering a team is covering a team, but like understanding the coverage that fans look for the way people think who religion is this team is, is really important to me. Like, I don't, I don't even care how cheesy that is. Like, that's how I live my life. That's part why I love talking to you guys, because as great as colleagues and peers and just fun gals to talk to everything about, you know, I, I care what you guys think about the team. It doesn't mean you're going to, you know, bit words out at me and I'm going to copy paste <laughs> my script, but sometimes that's fun. But, you know, at the end of the day, you cover the teams to not only analyze what they do, but see if they're living up to what their fans expect. And obviously Packers fans have very different expectations than, the fans do in DC or Baltimore. And to me being part of this beat and being part of this city is being part of that community. So, you know, I want to do more of that stuff. You know, some people go to the stadium bars on Sundays. Uh, The pandemic has prevented me from doing that, but it's kind (laughs) of, all right. You know, there are players that live in Wisconsin. So if I'm a quote unquote offshoot of that, what am I doing in the off season? So uh, whoever's listening to this, if you have something for me to do on Sundays, <laughs> please tell me. 
Do you feel like, cause you have worked in other markets and like you said, DC, Baltimore, much bigger markets. And I think pre this NFC championship game, you're seeing a lot about how different green Bay is from the rest of the leagues. Mm-hmm. NFL teams it makes sense. Like it's a small market. I personally, and I know Maggie can probably speak to this more and you, cause you live there. Like I've never been up there, but it seems like, you know, everything in green Bay is obviously centered around the team. Totally. So the atmosphere is all Packers. And so the community while fans are also just people who live there and live and breathe this team. Yeah. And it, it feels like a, just completely different from any other sport market. It, it definitely does feel like that to me because, um, yeah, I, this feels like the the third kind of trifecta. So I, you know, growing up in Boston, here's some uh, sports market research I'll throw out there for you. Um, in Boston, in some research study, it's cited that at least 70 to 80 percent of whoever considers themselves sports fans in the New England region are fans of three or more regional teams in that area. So you're not just a Pats fan unless you're also hitting the Sox and Bees or the Celtic Sox and Pats, stuff like that. In the DMV region, that same percentage number is only fans of one of the pro teams in the league. Because in reality, that region is so transient that they're a Nats fan because they didn't grow up with baseball, but they're still a Red Wings hockey fan, stuff like that. Whereas here is different than all of those because Green Bay, you have the Packers. Yes, the Brewers and Bucks are two hours away, but you've got the Packers right here. And if you don't live, breathe, die that here, I honestly don't know how you survive. Every now and then I do see someone walk around with a bear's hat on or some random other thing. And I do a double take every time, every time, because I simply can't believe people get away with that here. I could not imagine someone walking around with a bear's hat and green. I see it at the grocery store all the time. Find me in fresh time. I'm probably staring at someone with a bear's hat on. Especially because Aaron Rodgers goes to fresh time. Oh, I know. Have you seen him? No, but it's on my list. Girl, if I I'm gonna start coming up to the fresh time in Green Bay. We have one in Kenosha, so I can only imagine what it would be like. But I I have like a week, I guess, until he jets west. So exactly. Well, and I I like fresh time. Um, in DC, I live <laughs> right across the street from a Trader Joe's, so I was very blessed, very blessed. But I love fresh time. They've never failed me. Um, my cat loves their rotisserie chicken. So what what not? <laughs> and they've got a really good local beer selection. That's love true. That. They do. Yeah. You know. So is there like a Packer Packers player, like a bucket list sighting that you have Aaron Rodgers at the fresh time being number one, obviously, I guess. Yeah. Because I think, you know, my whole goal and I'm, I've got a soft spot in my heart for feature interviews. And I think I, I, I like that because I love taking athletes, you know, out of the pads, off the field and trying to bring out a side of them. That's not the athlete. That's what else you do when it's not your four quarters of play and you're not watching film yeah. and all these things. So for me, like seeing athletes as normal people is so awesome. And again, that's why Rogers said he loved the McAfee show this year because he could be genuine and heartfelt. And I look forward to the day that, it, you know, he feels like he can do that in regular media availability too. But I think, you know, seeing anybody kind of live their life, around Green Bay is super fun to me. I like running into friends around here because, you know, it's just kind of like, oh, it's my little community and I've only been here for so long. So seeing a familiar face anywhere is awesome. Yeah, there's, I, I guess there's probably some other people that like frequent gyms or other stuff that I, I think would be, uh, kind of makes Green Bay feel even smaller. There's only like 100,000 people here. So even though that's a lot, it, it feels smaller than you think compared to other markets. So yeah, Rogers at Fresh Time would be cool. That would be cool. 
Yeah, I heard he was going to Woodman's, you know, from the McAfee show, and I was like, oh no, oh no, Rogers, and not in a, not in, not in this trying time. I'll <laughs> I'll deliver your groceries. I've been to Woodman's. Uh, I hear they have good meat, but they're so busy all the time. Yeah, and honestly, like I drive down Ashland Avenue here, and one right turn takes me to work in target. The next right turn takes me to fresh time. Another one takes me to my gym. I kind of got a straight shot and I'm not complaining about it. So you've got your whole routine down pat one oh, year in. Yeah. When yeah. I, <laughs> I'm not, Oh, and then Lambeau field is also right down the street from that. So my whole life is kind of in within like one square mile down in uh, the Southern part of green Bay. And then I just live just a straight shot. Uh, enough to be far away from it, but also enough to be lazy. Yeah. Love that. That's Pretty, ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. So you've got you've got the off-season. Who knows who you'll see at the grocery store. <laughs> breweries. Breweries abound. I mean, that's what I want to do when I come up to visit. Uh, Maggie always talks about the great beer selections out there. I'm ready for yeah. it. Next season, we hope that you finally get an actual non-covid affected normal season like what are you looking forward to most this is good this is a good question so um part of my last season in the nfl the season before this i ran a lot of our washington football coverage at every home game um, on digital and social platforms and the best part of that was showing up to fan tailgates all around fedex field and i know that that exists on steroids outside Lambo, And I'm really excited to participate in that culture here. You know, obviously I'm on the clock, so I'm not, you know, consuming, but that's a, that's a huge part of life here that I'm so aware of whether you're someone that lives here and you're selling your driveway to people parking or whether you're someone that flies in for every game and, you know, has a parking spot and sets your stuff up the same way. I love the camaraderie that's around football fandom. So I hate to say, it, but I'm so excited for that. I also still haven't had a brat. So, and I'm kind of waiting on that to be like a tailgate food because I just think that's okay. the that's fair. consumed. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. You yeah. know, like as much as I could figure it out, I want it to be on someone's tailgate grill when I eat a brat. I, I think that's fair. You gotta wait. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta wait for like the, the I need a Maggie Loney shot at a tailgate. <laughs> The best part though, like I've told this story before and like Perry, now that you're out on Twitter in the the social media sphere, especially with like Cheesehead TV, absolutely. You you will get recognized everywhere. People will hand you beers when you walk through tailgates. Um, I said this on the show before I did a shot ski and now looking back at a pandemic, that was probably the worst decision I've ever made because I, the germs. Well, yeah, it well, it was like it was pre-pandemic, but looking back now, I realize I shouldn't have just put my mouth on a shot ski. <laughs> but, exactly. but yeah, so there's there's the vibes in in the tailgate are strong. And Rachel, if you need good brats, we will absolutely find you some tailgates. You'll, you'll be handed spotted cows and brats as you walk kind of to the stadium. I'm excited for that, and honestly, <laughs> that, you know, I think there are some people in this business who who do it to get recognized and and want to be that face. And I honestly, if I'm ever lucky enough to ever be recognized, I had a weird moment in DC where someone yelled my name and found me. It was super weird, but you know, Packers fans are nicer. Um, (laughs) If I'm ever fortunate enough to be recognized outside Lambeau at a tailgate in any sort of scenario, I hope that my reputation of wanting to do this to show the fans what they want or need to see or are critical of is what shines through. I hope people look at me as 
someone that is a reporter because I feel it's my duty alongside the fans. Like I don't do this for other people around the country to know what the Packers are doing. I do this because I think the fans deserve good coverage of their team. And I think a lot of people work hard to do that here. And I just take pride in being someone that fans can be like, Hey, like, thank you. I learned something for this. Or I love that player profile, something like that. You know, I just hope that people know that like, eh, she's all right. Well, I love that because I feel like we've connected you with you on from that exact, that exact, like, what you're projecting right now is like why Maggie and I have gotten so close with you and been able to connect with you even through the pandemic, through Twitter, through StreamYard, which is what we're talking on right now. Um, so you're you're doing, I think you're doing a phenomenal job. Um, I'm excited for more. I can't wait to see you on the on the sideline at Lambeau. I'm gonna be <laughs> like cheer. I'm I'm gonna be there to cheer on the team, but I'm also gonna be cheering for Rachel. <laughs> oh my god! And you know what? Like. I can't wait for when there's a day when we can hug in person, you know, is that, like, <laughs> that thought is so far away, but also like my body's tingling at the excitement. Yeah. <laughs> I think that this season, while it was odd and tough and all of those things that we've all felt throughout the year, like it also showed you how connected and how close you can get with people, even when you can't physically be with them. Totally. Um, and that like the Packer community whether it's fans or reporters or whoever's in the in-between, um, maybe even players, if you've been so lucky to have players on shows and in interviews, like the the community is there, whether you're together or not. Um, and that's what I've definitely appreciated, especially not living in Wisconsin and being far away. I still feel incredibly connected to everyone up there. And uh, I can't wait, obviously, like you said, for the hugs and the tailgates and the brats and the cheesehead tv tailgate and you know finally being at lambo but um it the community is real whether you're together or not okay but before we get there now i need to know and we all need to know what are your goals for the offseason both personal and what you're expecting this team to do here you go first oh um (laughs) well there's there's a there's a few things um a list yeah well personally um i'd hope to you know get a vaccine and maybe go back into the office uh i've been working from home for almost a year and i'm sick of it so that'd be nice um i am although i am a packers fan it's the only wisconsin sport that i'm a fan of and so it's about to be baseball season the mets have a new owner i'm actually potentially going down to spring training in florida so i'm looking forward to that because we have a new you know the, the backers have shown me what it is like to root for a winning franchise the mets have shown me what it's like to, lo- to root for a franchise that is always losing so i'm hoping that this year will be the the turnaround with stevie um and in terms of Packers, you know, I think Maggie and I are going to ramp up our packs, which she said, content, um, spend a lot more time on the podcast. And we have a few ideas that we're mulling over. And we're going to take some time this offseason to really, really solidify those. Um, and I hope that I can, you know, maybe July or August actually come up to Wisconsin and see you all. Woo woo. Met spring training is going to be a blast. My, um, Parents live not far from there, and I've hit that up a couple times, and it's a grand old time. I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, my one regret, Perry, since knowing you, is that you didn't get to come see a Mets game at Miller Park because I refused to call it American Family Field. Um, and can um, happen. I refuse to call it that either. I just, it's Miller Park, it's our brand. 
I'm disappointed to see that sponsorship go. That feels quintessential Wisconsin. Yeah, we're still uh, also looking for a sponsor for Back to What She Said. So if you are a local Wisconsin brewery that would like to have your name on our show or a New York brewery, you know, wherever you may be, we drink a lot of beer while we record this. So <laughs> that's one of our goals of the off season. But yeah, no, I, I echo what Perry said. I can't wait for her to get up here in July or August for training camp and we can have like a like a live show from the sidelines of training camp. And it's going to be, I think that I'm always like this really optimistic person where the season ends and I need some time to think about it and digest it, but give me like 48 hours and then I'm ready. And I'm like, all right, Super Bowl 56, they're going to win it all. Let's go. And then I just, it's just my life. <laughs> it's not healthy. <laughs> uh, I love the full blown enthusiasm because honestly, if you of all people don't, then who does? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Carry the and, and now, you know, we're going to have a new special teams coordinator to hire. We, I think more than likely with the rumblings on Twitter, we'll probably have a new defensive coordinator to hire. So, you know, I, I think Maggie and I both feel this way and we've been very vocal about how we would like Corey Lindsley to come back. So there are still some things to look forward to. Um, and of course the draft is always exciting. You never, you never know what the Packers are going to do in the draft, nope. but no matter who gets drafted, whether we like them pre draft or not, once they get drafted by the Packers, they become a part of this, uh, this locker room, this family, and we root for their success. So looking forward to seeing what happens. I remember last year was full of fun. So I'm sure this year will be full of fun. Um, more so that people will stop talking about the 2020 draft. Can't wait. Yeah. How can it possibly get any crazier than that? I don't know. Maybe they draft Justin Fields and it all goes. Perry, <laughs> no. Perry, <laughs> no. Why not? We only have three months. It's fine. We'll never make now. it. He'll never make it to pick 29, so it doesn't matter. They're going to trade um, up. Oh, guys, I'm totally kidding. I'm not putting it. You that know he's willing to trade up. I'm not putting that on <laughs> the universe. Um, but, yeah, the offseason's fun. I uh, I know Maggie prefers the draft. I love free agency, um, mostly because I just follow the NFL more closely than I follow college football. So it'll be fun to see what they do, even with their tiny limited cap space. But – like Maggie said, we're optimistic fans and that's, I mean, that's what fandom is, right? Is loving your team. So you just, you root for their success no matter what. You guys definitely bring up the the optimistic train. That's for sure. Yep. We, okay. We have a, a draft correspondent. We have a free agency correspondent and I just freaking love camp. You do. <laughs> I love camp. I love training camp. I love it. I think I look at every single one. I've never been to one that's ended up on hard knocks, but I treat them all like it's hard knocks. <laughs> I love it. I, I simply love it. I like that. We need your voiceover. We need you there with a the camera <laughs> and like zooming in on the drama. Like oh. <laughs> that's my goal this summer is to do that one day. One day I will make <laughs> my own. It'll be a good little TikTok hard knocks of Packers Camp. <laughs> Rachel's gonna be oh, like, I can't wait. Tim Boyle just shoved Aaron Rodgers. I think they're in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That's what God, you guys are content machines. <laughs> That's what we do. So Pax what she said brand. Yeah. I love it. Pax what she said sponsored hard knocks. Don Hudson Field. Done. Done. <laughs> All right, Rachel, we we appreciate you coming on. We know that this is not this is not the last time, obviously, because oh, thank God. there's so many so much to happen and we can't wait to watch and experience and hear about your full real normal NFL season experience and uh when I come up we'll do a we'll we'll do a training camp episode we'll do it absolutely 
and, and a brewery. brewery. Oh, that, that's the non-negotiable part of that's, this. Yeah. That's offline. <laughs> but yeah, so wait for you guys to have some, you know, doses of reality back too. And I hope that for, you know, everybody involved, again, I look at this as right. Packers staff, players, fans, reporters, everybody that's involved with putting out and consuming football in this sweet little corner of the country gets back to a little more reality. Yeah. Amen. All right, Rach, before we let you go, tell the people how to find all your work, where to follow you on socials, everything. I make it super simple, except for my last name. Everything's <laughs> at Rachel Hopmeyer. H O P as in Peter, M as in Mary, A Y E R. I always say it that way. I'll just never replace, I just don't have the Paul, Peter, Paul, and Mary. But otherwise, <laughs> yep, at Rachel Hopmeyer. I feel like I'm not, once you type in Rachel Hop, I'm always there. Um, but if you need to verify, I follow Maggie and Perry on everything. So there you so go. Crazier. You know, right. put me up. Tell me what to do with my Sundays. If you need weekend content. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Seriously. And, Whatever you do in the off season, let me know. And Maggie, what about you for anyone who say, happens to be new listening to this show? There's quite a few people that follow the podcast that don't follow me. And quite frankly, I don't blame them, but you can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Boney. I write two articles a week for Cheesehead TV. The content is going to be dragging in the off season, but we will make it work. I'll write some more polls or something. I don't know. Uh, you can find me with the Thursday version of the pack a day version, the Thursday crew with the pack a day podcast. And that's all now. Weirdly, Perry, where can everybody find your work? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein, Perry's P-E-R-R-I. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm now still on every other Sunday uh, Pack-A-Day crew with Andy and Alex. But so far this off season, that's it as well. Like I said, Maggie and I are going to be making some, I wouldn't say changes, rather upgrades to packs, which she said this off season, trying to give you all some more diverse and uh, fun content um will be somewhat linked to cheesehead tv as that is who houses this show but um just look out for some updates so if you want those you can follow the podcast at pwss podcast on twitter as well and no matter win or lose we always say go pack go go pack go